Marketing Support Network is proud to serve the nonprofit community by offering full-service contact center, fulfillment, digital marketing, and fundraising services. Your vision is our mission, and we can't wait to partner with you. Visit marketingsupportnetwork.com for more information. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Hub podcast. I'm your host, Megan Spear, and I'm so excited to have a very dear friend of mine as my guest today. We are talking to the legend, Eric Tamales. If you have been to any nonprofit conference in the last year, maybe two years, I would say. Oh, yeah, something. You have likely run across Eric. I mean, he is the face of virtuous for sure but also out there really spreading their that message of generosity and and if you are lucky enough you have probably also been in one of his famous linkedin selfies yeah we have but so, i have the whole arm so that's why it works yes absolutely <laughs> so yes if you run across eric you may have seen him at cause camp um he was there doing a session as well uh you know i saw him at neo and nrb all sorts of how many did you do last year do you have a count I do have a count. I don't know if I like sharing it, but it, it was it was it was a lot. Okay. I think I spoke at at least forty conferences last wow. year. Yeah. So there there you have it. The legend Eric Schmalis. If you've been to a conference, you have likely met him. <laughs> but we have him as our guest today, and I'm so excited about that Sweet. to talk all things fundraising and generosity. Um, Eric, you have a long history in the industry. Currently now, obviously, with Virtuous, um, but even as a fundraiser in your early career. So talk us a little bit about your history there um, and your time in the industry of nonprofits as a whole. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to represent Virtuous, support Nonprofit Hub. We love what not, nonprofit leaders and uh, individuals are doing uh, to help grow generosity in their communities. The work they do is hard. We get it. And, you know, the, honestly, like I love sharing with folks all, all the time is, you know, now I am a recovering fundraiser, right? <laughs> so I spent <laughs> my entire great. career on on the front lines. Uh, I started back in the early 2000s. And, you know, I remember, you know, just taking over an organization and and being told by our, our leadership, like, hey, we need to raise X amount of dollars. How are you going to do it as a 21-year-old? Right. And so, and like, and we had to change the way we did the, the process for a hundred years in an organization. Um, but I love getting out there, talking to donors, us as organizational leaders, we have needs, we're trying to solve a problem. And we have these individuals in our community that want to support those problems. And just to be able to connect the two, that just what propelled my career and my passion for nonprofit and supporting one another and helping grow generosity in our communities. I love that. Mm-hmm. So throughout your time, you were a fundraiser for a number of organizations. Mm-hmm. You're now with Virtuous. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about Virtuous. Every time I run across anyone from your organization, I appreciate the messaging so much that we were trying to increase generosity. Mm-hmm. What does that look like as we sit here at the beginning of 2024, right? Everybody's coming off of year-end giving season. We've acquired hopefully a whole lot of new donors. Um yeah. What does that look like for 2024 to increase generosity? 
You know, it there that's a great question. You can go 20 different directions on <laughs> on it. You know, I think it, a lot of the bigger issues is like, you know, you're seeing it. I mean, I'm I'm seeing a lot of the we'll get into it later in this conversation and more about the data and what we're seeing across the board with, you know, the Giving USA and the FEP fundraising effectiveness project and a couple other different data sets where donors are on a decline for organizations. But the unique thing, and we I've I've heard it so many times, is like when someone asks us, how do we acquire new donors? The easy answer is they're already in our database. They're in our system. They're in our community. They're in our network already. How do we go and deepen that relationship and grow generosity with them, right? And it's just having more personal conversations. And that's through Virtuous and a whole other of our platforms and, so, and, and responsiveness and everything else. But that's how we're going to grow generosity in 2024. We have a whole host of new ideas, new products that are going to be updated to our system as well. Um, but nice. we also want to be able to lean in to, you know, be more personal, right? You know, because we as we as humans, we see it on a regular basis, right? Like, you know, in, in our in our normal day to day lives, whether it's watching a Netflix or, you know, registering into a hotel or like the personalization is there. And I think yeah. our donors are expecting that. And I think I had a per I'll share with this magazine. Uh, I had a personal experience earlier this month. Last month was my birthday. And <laughs> You know, on my birthday, I got a whole host of, you know, family and friends and people reaching out to me and texting me and calling me and wishing me a happy birthday. The one that put me over the edge and Meg, you know, I used to live in Texas okay. for seven years and now I'm back here in Western PA in Pittsburgh at home. Sure. Um, my eye doctor sent me a text, happy birthday from Texas. That's 10 years ago that I walked wow. into office. And if organizations are being personal and automated, why can't nonprofits do that? And I think that's what we need to be doing. That's that is a great example. Uh, yeah. Wow, I I don't think I've ever gotten a text from my eye doctor. No, neither. I, I mean, I but, I have good eyes. <laughs> I think great. I went in there for a normal checkup. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I love that. Um, so let's let's touch on that personalization. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think fundraisers tend to miss mm -hmm. is personalization and segmentation. And so if somebody was, you know, starting brand new year, here we go. What would you tell them priorities should be in terms of personalization and segmentation? It's one of the, I think, at least in my opinion, those are two words that we talk about a lot in the industry, but nobody talks about how to do them. Right. What would be the first step that you would recommend to somebody who wanted to like get started in that process or make that a priority for this year? I think that's a great question. I think the the key answer, and you're right, people out there talk at a high level, but they don't. And, and we as fundraisers, we need the tactical answers. Right. And How do we do it? Right. And and I'm going to give you the consultant answer because it, well, it depends, right? Because every organization is different, whether it's a, a local nonprofit that has one or two employees that has, you know, maybe a thousand donors to another one that's a healthcare system that has, you know, 50, 100 employees and 10,000 donors, right? It just depends on all different fronts. But I think we can do some of the similar tactics to help support them. Um, I'd go through the the initial spot of this concept we have at Virtuous called responsive fundraising, and it's four different steps. And I think the key step of all four of the, of the, the responsive or mantra is listening, and then we connect, 
then we suggest, and then we learn. And so I think mm-hmm. the key answer to your your question is listening. And there's a ways we can do it, whether it's surveying our prospects and surveying our donors. How do they want to be communicated? Do they want to be communicated only through text, like my eye doctor? Or do they want a mailer or a phone call or a face-to-face meeting? How do they want to be, you know, t- t- communicated by, right? Like your name is Megan. Do you prefer Meg? Do you prefer Megan? Do you prefer Miss, Mrs.? Like all the different components underneath sure. there. Um, in the household, you know, if I give online, you know, how do I want to be communicated with? Do I want to hear all those? All those things matter. And I think we be able to survey our prospects and our donors and be able to create that opportunity internally and then create automation and suggest and, you know, connect and everything else beyond that. That's great. You and I have a mutual friend who also mm-hmm. lives in Texas and I recruited him at one point, um, to be a part of a study that we were doing with another consultant group going on a decade ago at this point. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we asked people to do was to go and give online and then see what, and track, you know, track the responses. Um, he has moved four different times. He is still getting letters. He gave one $10 donation. He is still getting letters from this particular cause. And every time he does, I have to hear about it. Mm. Um, But one of the things that he mentioned was all they do, all they have done for 10 years now, no matter where I have moved, they have followed me and they continue to send me mail. I have never mailed them anything back. Mm -hmm. I gave to them online. I have no interest in receiving any Mm -hmm. of this mail and I have never communicated with them since. I unsubscribed from their email list. And they are still wasting so much money on postage and printing and tracking me down and updating my records and keeping that trend going. And it comes back to what you were saying, right? It's not just about the donor, but it's also the cost to the organization. Right. If we never bother to think about that process, if we never bother to think about how someone wants to be communicated with or what that looks like, we're not only wasting their time, we're wasting the org's time and resources. 100%. 100%. And the solution there, the tactic there, I have a similar organization that I did the exact same thing to. Same experience. A friend of mine asked me to, to donate to him as he was running a 5K in New York City uh, if he wore a, you know, what, a Steeler jersey. And I was like, sure, I'm going to give you 50 bucks, give it to the organization that you know, is sponsoring him and, and go through that piece. The organization has sent me so much mail, to your point, that, and, and emails and communication and letters and all that different components. They, I, and it's interesting because I've been on the road so much in the last couple of years. I actually had the opportunity to sit next to this organization at dinner back in August. And and so I had a great conversation and this is a larger institution, right? They've got, you know, huge director, direct response, a larger agency, um, all their components. So it is, it's harder to pull me off their master list than it is just to be able to do it. But the challenge I gave to them because I gave through a peer to peer campaign was connect with the people, find out what is passionate for Eric versus me giving for my friend, right? My friend is connected to the organization intimately because he believes in the mission and believes in his, in the, in the, in the in direction the organization's going. I'm just a, on the, on the sidelines right now. I'm dating them, right? I'm not married to them yet. And okay. I'm still trying to have like this customer journey. So to tactically, you know, let's start surveying, find out wh- what is their interest where do they lay, you know, start getting them in and you're going to love hearing this, like getting them in the habit of giving, 
Ask them for $10 a month. Ask them for $15 a month. Get them in the habit and then then grow generosity and become a future major donor, or planned gift donor, DAF donor, whatever it might be. I I love how that goes back to your listening point, mm-hmm. right? The key to listening is we can't listen if we're not asking questions. Right. So some of those survey functions and figuring out why people gave in the first place and how to go from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a really key takeaway for anybody kind of mapping out their 2024 is what mechanisms are you going to put in place to be able to listen, mm-hmm. to be able to get that feedback. I think that is critical and a really great point for this year. And the other critical piece too from the listening component is listen to who in the household is donating toward, right? Hmm. Uh, And I think through this, we have a local organization. Meg, you and I know each other very well, and we know we're very philanthropic, and we love supporting our local organizations here in town. Um, And, you know, it's the year end and everything else. And, you know, I donate probably 99% of our household budget to to nonprofits, not in the budget, but like 90 out of between my wife and I. (laughs) She made me give to one organization and it was a local mission-based organization and everything else. Well, they sent Eric a thank you message. They didn't acknowledge. Uh, and didn't wife. acknowledge Kate at all. Uh-uh. And so right Ooh. now she has a bad taste in her mouth with the organization because she was the one that went online. It was her credit card. It was her information, but they thanked me. And so yeah. if we can get her house in order, and you know, continue to you know focus on retention, focus on de- generosity, and and appreciate and thank the right people, the right project, all those different components because it'll matter. And just paying attention to those little details, mm-hmm. I think, is such a critical piece of the puzzle. But it so often gets overlooked because we feel like we have so many other big things that we're supposed to be doing. Well, because it's easy, right? Because we're not, I mean, we have, I mean, I sat in the chair for so long. We I, we have so many responsibilities, you know, you're putting out fires, you're working with program, you're dealing with PR, you're working with marketing, you're talking to finance, you're doing all these different things. And then you have your board and your volunteers and you're, it's like herding cat. So yeah. it is easy to be able just to say, hey, let's do one mass email or one mass mailer or one large communication that makes it very generic. And I think our our donors and our and our prospects and our people and our constituents they see that genericness and they yeah. want that personalization. And I think if we go one step, if we take a pause and figure out easy and efficient ways to do that, I think we can we can grow generosity with our organizations. Well, and I think the gap is becoming wider, right? Mm-hmm. So take your go back to your eye doctor for an example. Mm-hmm. The more that we see individual personalization outside of the nonprofit space yeah. <laughs> in, in how we interact with Netflix or with Amazon or with our eye doctors, the more that we see that outside, the more noticeable it becomes when it's not happening on the right. nonprofit side of things. Right. And then from a donor perspective. So definitely, man, what a good takeaway to make that personalization a priority this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. The personalization is only going to continue to grow. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. And it's going to go deeper and wider and you got AI and all these other different components that are out there to be able to help these for profit. But how do we responsibly and ethically do it with nonprofits? And I'm with you. Yep. It's going to definitely change in in the landscape here in the next couple of years.
At Marketing Support Network, we are proud to support nonprofits by providing top-tier customer service solutions for your donors. Live U.S.-based agents are able to assist your callers by phone, email, website live chat, or social media response 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. From taking donations to updating records, answering questions to placing orders, let Marketing Support Network help you take donor care to the next level. Visit marketingsupportnetwork.com for more information. Talk to me a little bit. I know you're you're my statistics guy. Oh, you're yeah. the data guy. <laughs> you're who I go to. And I think you have a new report that's come out too, right? That's coming or that is coming out soon. So talk to me a little bit about some of those other data trends that you had mentioned previously. Yeah. So like, I appreciate that. I, I, I there's a lot more, there, there's a, yeah, a lot more smarter people in, in the data set than Eric. <laughs> That's the public school <laughs> education right there the, uh, that are out there. But I, I do value the surveys and the data that we put out there uh, across the industry. And when we start looking at individual reports, it doesn't really tell the whole story until you put all of the reporting from all of the vendors and partners and agencies together to see the larger landscape. And so I have the opportunity to represent Virtuous here at the on the Giving Institute and the GUSA, Giving USA Foundation. We put out the report that looks at organizational giving uh, across all internet or United States-based organizations. And you'll see that there is a decline in organizational giving. Uh, or individuals giving directly to organizations. And I think it was because of the high in the pandemic and we hit all-time records and everything else. But when you start digging deeper into that data set, the change from 40 years ago to today is the larger increase in foundation giving. So grants are coming from like, you know, I think like RK Mellons or the big, you know, Bill Gates foundations, like those institutions are now supporting organizations at a higher rate than individuals. Individual giving is on the decline. Corporate pretty much stayed the same and bequests stayed the same. But I think our individual giving is changing. Uh, when you start looking at the fundraising effectiveness project that AFP puts out, which looks at individual, all the data companies come together and provide anonymity of their of their data sets, you can see that the trends for all different giving levels year over year has been declining as well. And so, and, and, and then you go another step where, you know, in the last 10 years, we've grown 400,000 nonprofit organizations just in the last 10 years. So there's a lot more sister charities. I don't call them competitors, but I think they're more sister charities that you're seeing that's out there. Um, so all these are compounding on one on top of the other. You look at the MNR benchmark report that, you know, in, you know, United States citizens and, and individuals and Americans, they have a, they have a bad taste in their mouth and they don't trust nonprofits as much as they used to, you know, and you look at the report where they trust for-profit businesses more so than nonprofit organizations trying to solve a problem, wow. and, and, which is scary. And then the other yeah. component is you look at the, you know, like Dickerson Baker put out a report where they looked at the, you know, they surveyed staff and the retention of our individuals, you know, and they looked at, you know, how, what's the life, you know, line of a, of a gift officer. It's like 16 to 18 months and, you know, individuals are leaving our industry. All these things matter. And I think if we take a pause, you know, and I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning before this, this podcast was, you know, it's yet at beginning of the year, it's end of the year, you know, trying to reconcile everything else for, for nonprofits. And I always struggled if we as a nonprofit were always in the red, 
we got our hands slapped by our board, right? We always had to do everything we could to be in the black, but like Amazon was in the red for eight years and look at the business, right? And it's, I, I love telling folks that the nonprofit status that we have in organizations is not a way we should be doing business. It's just a tax code. It's how we're written as a business. We should be working like a for-profit business. Man, that's so good. Say that again. We as nonprofit organizations shouldn't run like a nonprofit. We should run like a for-profit because it's only meeting as a tax code that nonprofit status. Like we need Hmm. to take a pause, look at our data set, learn from our mistakes, go deeper and wider in those data and see how we can grow generosity because everything else is going to decline. And it's because we've been doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same results. So we got to take a pause and figure out challenges and solutions on on how we can do this. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. (laughs) It is, but it goes exactly back to what we just said, Mm -hmm. right? We're seeing these trends in the for-profit world in whether that's in our doctors or Netflix or Amazon or the banking industry, we're seeing all of those trends. Man, if we don't, <laughs> the cost of not is becoming higher than the cost of cha- of change. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Okay. So let's go back to break it down because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we're also giving people some practical steps. Yeah. If we're looking at trends that are saying, individual giving is on a decline. Mm-hmm. Um, that's enough to pause some people and freeze them in their tracks because it's a mm-hmm. terrifying statement. Yeah. <laughs> right. From your perspective, again, in a, we talk about all of these high level things, but down to the brass tacks of how to do it. What does that mean for people's priorities as they map out 2024? So, you know, Joe fundraiser, in his organization, looking at the year, what does that mean for his list of priorities? Is it a higher focus on grants? Is it mm-hmm. a higher focus on corporate giving? Does it change the priority level there? What does that look like from a really practical standpoint? I think practically, and I think through this, I get it kind of alluded to a lot of it right in, in, in that little you know data spiel, right? Sure. Um, Which is so interesting. Right. We need to go. If if I was sitting in the chair, I'd go to my leadership, I'd go to my board, I'd go to my executive team, I'd go to wherever I need to go to, to be able to get them on board and start thinking differently. We can't look at our budgets or as a fiscal year, as a year over year. What did we do last year versus what can we do next year? I think we need to start looking at, you know, organizational growth. Where are we going to be in three years? Where are we going to be in six years? Where are we going to be in 10 years? And look at donors, right? Like the solution, right? Like if I was sitting in the chair, this is the conversation I had this morning was with my friend was in the month of December, when I was sitting in the executive seat of these nonprofits, the thing that kept me up at night wasn't year-end fundraising. It wasn't, what can we do with donors? It was, what is the gap going to be that I'm not going to hit budget? Mm -hmm. And what's my staff going to look like in January? Right. And, yeah. and, and I the firmly believe staff retention equals donor retention. And so if we can retain our team members and our relationships and our individuals, we can retain our donors. So that's be the first step would be go to our leadership, 
ask them to see start looking at it at a large three five year plan right instead of year over year then retain our staff get them on board because if you know if i'm leaving in you know in a in a 12 month span i'm going to go after a major donor because that's going to fix my budget immediately right but it's going to be a short term fix because then that staff member is going to go to another organization next year right sure so practically the next step i would go into is go deeper and wider, you know, like talk about like what I said earlier about surveying, learning from our, our our individuals, our constituents, what's their passions, thank them appropriately, get them in the habit of giving and start building that long-term plan of giving structure for them. Take them from a $25 donor to a $1,000 donor, take them from a yep. thousand to a 25,000 in that three years and start seeing the base being built of your donor pyramid rather than going after the top of the pyramid and forgetting about everybody else because that huge influx of nonprofit organizations in our in our United States if you're not doing it someone else will be and sure. you know an, an an average person donates to 3 to 5 organizations on an annual basis so you want to be the in their you know in their top 5 right so tactically i would go that route the other side that we're seeing a huge increase right now is a trend in, in 24 and, and beyond um, is DAF giving donor advice funds is a huge place where people, you know, especially going on with the charitable deduction where people can't itemize what their charitable deductions were in the last couple of years. A lot of high net worth and individuals put money directly in DAFs and start having the conversation with your, your donors and your, and your constituents and ask them, do you have a donor advised fund? Could you contribute from there? Because there is no yeah. maximum coming out of that. And it's a, it's better for the donor to give there than cash or other assets, right? It's already there designed to give directly to, to organizations. Um, and then the other, I blanked on, oh, and the other one was technology, leaning into technology. You know, we talked about it earlier. It was like, you know, we're, we're doing so much in, on our plate right now, uh, and we have so few resources at our disposal, lean into technology and, and systems that can help grow generosity be, and take things that you do on a regular basis off your plate and allow technology to help do that for you. Whether it's, you know, Virtuous is a great solution. I'm going to, you know, give a shout out to who sure. we are, you know, <laughs> utilizing the email and the text and the components and the donor management and automation and responsiveness and letting it be an employee on your team to help grow. But I think there's a lot of solutions out there that can help help nonprofits differently this year. Absolutely. Okay. I have one big question for you as we wrap up our time today. If you could give the 20 year younger version of Eric. Okay. One piece of advice, right? So here you sit have, with a 20, a 20 plus year mm -hmm. <laughs> career in this industry. I know we have a lot of folks on the podcast who are maybe new in their fundraising role. They're new to the industry. If you could give your 20 year ago self mm -hmm. one piece of advice, what would that be? You know, you you asked me this question earlier, and it's such a great question. I I am still spewing, <laughs> stewing on it right now. The uh, I would probably go back twenty years and just you know enjoy the journey more, right? Mm. You know, this has been 
it, the work we do as fundraisers is so hard, you know, and so stressful. And so, you know, you have, you feel like you have the weight of the world and you want to be able to solve this problem, whatever it might be. But in, in, and at that moment, it get it's hard. The grass is not always greener anywhere else, but you're passionate. You want to solve the solution. And I would just say, you know, take a breath. Take some time, you know, to, you know, sharpen the saw as Covey's, you know, seventh habit, sure. you know, and just, you know, celebrate those successes with your team and enjoy the journey because I honestly it goes back to it. Generosity begets generosity. And if you're not generous and you're not with yourself and in your, in your community, you're not going to be able to bring generosity into your own organization. So I would say enjoy the journey. Okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I really appreciated this conversation. I know our listeners will too, because I enjoy the tactical. Here's what you can actually, here's some actionable items. Um, So I'm excited for people to take that away. Again, my guest today has been Eric Tamales of Virtuous. My name is Megan Spear. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Nonprofit Hub podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone.